Cheers. That's me flicking a tinny. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to, there you go. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. I'm Kana. And I'm Ambi, and we are online. Thank you to the coronavirus. Uh, no pub this week. No pub for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, yes. A nation without a pub. What's that? Jeez. It's devastating, Kana. I don't know about you. How, how are you getting by? Well, at least the bottle-o's are open, Ambi. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know when you're in Australia where pharmacies, GPs, and the local takeaway bottle shop is um, considered to be an essential service? <laughs> and rightly so. <laughs> and, and, and so how, how, are you, how are you coping with the coronavirus, Ambi? You're... Um, yeah, not too bad at the moment. So um, I've, I've moved towards working on home arrangements for myself and my team. Uh, we're mm-hmm. quite actually quite lucky with what we do. Everything is um, – all of our, our systems and all of our uh, processes are all in the cloud, wherever that is. And um, so literally we just log in every day. We work. We work. We work really hard. And then we kind of get to the end of the day and then we kind of just, you know, have a drink. So, um, all good. How about you? You're, you're, you're an essential service too, but you're in a totally different field, but we don't have to go into the details on that. Um, you're, you're still yep. kind of working hard? Uh, still very much working hard, um, trying to figure out how to really move everything into the online space at this stage. Um, nothing more to really say around that except, you know, still required to go into work, um, but establishing systems looking forward that will be able to uh, manage, well, working at home. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was actually thinking normally when we're at the pub, we've got like music in the background and people talking in the background. Do we need to kind of add that or just kind of be people and music free for these shows? Because uh, I can kind I can of double them in, that's no problem. I can put on a CD in the background. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll put on some Johnny Cash or something. Oh, I love Johnny Cash. Yeah. All right, keep talking. I've got to find the CD. Yeah, okay. You're going you're gonna to do it. The Man in Black. I mean, I must admit, sometimes, actually, probably about oh, four or five years ago, I used to uh, turn up to work in the whole, you know, black jeans, black shirt, and you know, I used to cop a bit of shit being like, hey, you're the Man in Black. I don't mind <laughs> a bit of Johnny Cash. My wife loves Johnny Cash too. My father loves Johnny Cash. I like the song. I like the song where um, there's a bloke who's working at a factory, and he um, he starts taking out one piece, one one bit of a car at a time, and he ends up with this um, this car which he has makes been his made. Own car. Yeah, but it's um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a model, you know, seventy two, seventy three, seventy four. Forward, whatever GT you know, thing just building it over time. Ah, interesting. Anyway, okay, let's, let's there we are. Kane is walking over to the CD player. He's very retro. Although I don't think CDs are retro. yet. I think cassettes are retro. Cassettes are retro. Oh, you can actually hear me. Shit. That's a bit loud. Yeah. Um. 
I can always just play it through Spotify through my phone if you want. What's that? I can play it through Spotify through my phone if you want. You just got to tell me what you're playing. No, 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 no. You got sorted, got nailed? I'm in the process of doing it. You can tell we've been totally prepared for this, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank so you. we've just gotten off an interview, haven't we, Andy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll get to that in a second, Kana. Don't kind of get the um, the um, listeners all excited at the moment. They can get excited soon. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you do you want to get them excited now? Oh, here we go. You know? Bit quiet. That's better. Is that better? Yeah, yeah, just a little bit more. Oh, perfect. Oh. There we go. The bar. Oh, nothing <laughs> quite like it. So, uh, cheers again. Cheers, yep, clunk. So, what are you drinking? Um, I'm actually on a cloudy Summersby apple. Oh, okay, not bad. Yeah. Well, it's got a bit of, bit of bite. A bit of bite in which way? Like in the aftertaste or what? Um, no, it, it's, oh, how to say it, like, it's, um, it's, it's a bitter cider, um, and it's... Is it bitter sharp or bitter sweet? Oh, it's not sweet, no, it's bitter sharp. Okay. Yeah. How about yourself? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm almost finished, unfortunately, a Barrelman Cabernet Sauvignon 2016 Brands Lera from Kunawara. Oh, how is it? Uh, it's kind of like an Italian opening where you pick up tunis, but you expect that and nothing else happens. Mm. But mind you, I've been drinking for, what time is it now? We're recording at 9.30. I've been drinking since 5 in the afternoon. So we had a, um, a friend of ours who is like, actually, it's actually it's our neighbour um, behind us and to the right, so like 45 degree angle from where we live. We catch yep. up with him all the time, and he works in the US uh, in a um, uh, mining and um, uh, processing type of area. And he's just recently got back to Australia, probably what three, four days ago, and is in a fourteen-day quarantine, um, staying in a, um, a co-worker's place, who's over in um, uh, suburban Brisbane. And yep. we we're having a bit of a um, FaceTime thing with him and his wife, who's like, you know. 100 metres away, 80 metres away, myself and my wife, having a few drinks, having a bit of a chat. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've been going since, well, what is it now, about five and a half, well, three and a half hours? Five and a half hours? Yeah. Four and a half hours? Um, four, yeah, okay. So four I saw, and a half hours. I think oh, a couple of hours ago, definitely a couple of hours ago, had to, had to you know, fortify myself for going out for this the election, so... Yeah, how'd you go? Did you vote for yourself? I, I love that. I love what you said. That was that's great. Um, <laughs> so, for listeners who haven't seen it, I actually voted for Kana as uh, so, so. Local government elections were held today in Queensland, despite the coronavirus and everyone kind of freaking out. Uh, we get to vote for the Lord Mayor here in Brisbane. You're in Ipswich. You probably vote for the Mayor and also a local councillor. 
So I kind of did the proper thing with the local councillor, but for Lord Mayor, I crossed out, you know, 2020, you know, election for Lord Mayor. I crossed out the word Lord Mayor and put President of the United States. <laughs> and I crossed out the name of the candidates Kana. <laughs> and put Kana, Donald J. Trump or whatever, and Joseph Biden and gave you a vote number one. So you've got one vote at least for President of the USA. I'm well behind you, Kana, so good job. I'm looking forward to when uh, we kind of roll up at um, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in a few, or oh, well, about nine more months. Does that mean you donkeyed your vote? I think, would they accept that? It's not a donkey vote. It's technically considered informal, which means that uh, I don't get fined, but it counts for shit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, no. Amber, I'm oh, just, gonna, fucking I'm just gonna send you something. Um, send you a text. Oh, a text. Okay, sure. It's a, it's a thing I've been working on, and I picked it up from Humble the Heaps post. Oh, I can um, see your music in the background. It went all quiet all of a sudden. Oh, it's just Johnny Cash has hit a ballad. Do you want me to put more Johnny Cash on my phone? I'm a bit louder. No, 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 no. I don't want it too loud. Um, there was a post a couple of while, a little while ago, Humble the Heaps. Um, oh, this is what you sent through. Update, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've, I've, I've gotten a, um, I've gotten a diplomacy map. Yes, looks lovely. I've, I've glued it onto a whiteboard, okay. and I've cut up little magnets. Um, for armies and fleets, so I can just sort of. Oh move yeah, around. yeah. So squares and rectangles. Yep. You got to colour them in. I haven't coloured them in yet. I know I'm going to get some spray paint. Are you going to? Colour them in so I can push them around on the board. Ah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think it's a, a stroke of genius. Um, Absolutely. A, a, an article. This, is, this is why you should be president. Well, I'm just setting up um, I'm just setting up a map now, so you can. I'll just send a photo of that as well. Well, I've got the map already. You sent through as a photo. Well, yeah, no, with the pieces on it. Oh, okay, like a proper proper thing with, what, coloured-in pieces? No, I don't have the coloured-in pieces. I've got the pieces, they're white. So in other words, stuff. you just pull them off and just shove them on the thing and they're all white? Well, yeah, but you can, yeah, okay, you can imagine it. Okay, I can imagine it. I imagine yep. all the people living in harmony. Yes. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, did you notice today... So we're recording this on the uh, 28th of March. Uh-huh. Did you see that we put out today a, a bonus episode which was releasing our Patreon feed as a special one-off for everybody else because of the um, they're being bored shitless in lockdown? Oh, brilliant. Excellent. That, that That's the one. Which one was that? That's the one where we were sitting around on Mel's <clears throat> back patio. Um, oh, that's the one where you're having trouble putting on a poncho. <laughs> I had quite a few problems putting on a poncho, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. You were quite drunk, Amby. Quite, quite drunk. I was, but you were pretty sleepy yourself. Well, I was probably slurring my words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the whole episode starts with, I'm Amby, and you go, oh, I'm kind of... <laughs> and uh, well, you go, and I've got a can. <laughs> anyway. 
And then uh-huh. you, you, you constantly take the piss out of me when I kind of, you, you make me retell the story with Tim and the whole fridge situation. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Classic Ambi. <laughs> it probably wasn't my proudest moment in diplomacy. I must admit that. Oh, dear. Uh, Things you do when you're drunk, eh? Absolutely. So whilst we were playing uh, Poppycon and having fun with that, the um, uh, over all the way on the other side of the world in the UK, they were doing MacCon, so Macclesfield Con. Mm-hmm. And um, we've just literally got off that interview you talked about before with uh, Gary and Andy. Uh, Gary was the tournament director. Andy was one of the players who kind of connected in a most peculiar way to participate um, should you reckon we should just throw to that interview and let listeners listen to that? I reckon I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yep, have a listen. Welcome to Diplomacy Games, Andy and Gary. Uh, it's great to have you on board and it's great to kind of learn a lot more about MacCon and around your experiences with that and particularly in the current coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 type of uh, environment. So, welcome. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, likewise. So, I'm actually, I don't know about you, Kana, but I actually find listening to uh, Andy and Gary, even just in our pre-recording chatter, um, whilst they're obviously in very different parts of the UK, they sound very similar, don't they? But they probably say the say same, same <laughs> things about us. Well, to my ears, to my ears. Um. <laughs> I've, I've visited Go on, Gary. I was just going to say, I've visited Oz in the past, so I'm, I'm vaguely aware that there's uh, there's differences in the, the slang and the dialect from Queensland and, and the other parts, but that's as far as it goes. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's, it's interesting that you should say we sound alike, because Gabby is, is um, kind of north of England, um, and I'm not even in the UK, I'm technically um, south of it, I'm from a small island called Jersey off the coast of France. I, I, I think we were, we were talking just slightly a little bit before we, we started, Andy, and um, obviously I lived in the UK for about two and a half years, managed to spend a great amount of time as any uh, expat living in the UK does, you know, travelling all around Europe and the UK, and I really, really, really wanted to get to the Channel Islands, never, ever did. Um, so um, what's been what's been the, some of the challenges? I mean, imagine it's a very, very – I mean, for anyone who's listening right now, if you can't – particularly – okay, bear in mind, 90% of our audience is American. So when you talk about the Channel Islands, we're, we're talking about literally a, a handful of islands owned and administered by the United Kingdom that are quite literally just off the coast of, of France as, as a result of historical happenstance. Would you want to well, talk a little bit about that? Sorry, I, I've got to interrupt you there. We are not owned and administered by England. We have our own independent government. No, no, I said um, the UK, not, not England. Oh, sorry, the UK. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, okay, so for, for, for my for my benefit, um, I, I actually don't know where the Jersey Islands are and how they came to be. So I'd love to get us a, a quick history lesson. Very well. Um, if you were to look at the map of the um, English Channel, so the bit of water between England and France, uh, the Channel Islands are a group of islands that sit in the English Channel, but we are much, much closer to France. We're actually, um, I can never remember if it's nine miles or 12 miles from the coast of France, but we can see France on a clear day. 
Um, the island itself, Jersey, is the largest of the Channel Islands, and we're also the most southerly. Uh, the size of the island is nine miles by five, but we have massive tidal ranges. We're talking 40-foot um, difference in high tide and low tides on spring tides. Really, really big, 12-meter tides. So when the tide goes out, the island actually increases in size by about 40%. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Big, big tidal ranges. <laughs> so the, the, these were these were islands that were retained by um, by the crown uh, after all the argy bargy over the many years of uh, war with France. Yeah, pretty much. Um, back in twelve oh four, the Channel Islands were already um, effectively loyal to the English crown, and they were given the opportunity in twelve oh four to either go independent, um, side with the French or stick with the English. And uh, in 1204, we made the decision to stay English. So, of course, by the time we get to um, 2004, um, Channel Islands were celebrating 800 years of being loyal to the British Crown. Um, In those 800 years, um, I believe I'm right in saying that for 795 years, we were British, and for five years, we were technically German. German. We were occupied by the Germans in the Second World War. The only part of the UK occupied by Germany during the war. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I visited the Channel Islands recently, and there's still enormous amounts of German fortifications all over the place. I don't know if it's the same in Jersey, Andy, but um, in Alderney, where I was, there's yeah, there's there's bunkers and sea walls and all sorts of things still there, still you know, just just in good condition. Um, you, you can tell the place was occupied and fortified very much. Oh, yeah, I, definitely. I, I, I mean, I remember uh, uh, half of the time I lived in the UK was in Sussex. So, you know, walking around the Southern Downs and heading down around the whole, uh, the, I suppose, the English side of the channel. And, yes, you, you still see those World War Two bunkers and everything like that. And it blows your mind now. Um, that being said, very different time of the world, uh, much the same way that we're in a very, very different time right now. Um, and if I can kind of use that as a, a, a point to kind of, you know, uh, pivot. Uh, and that's around the recent tournament that you had at MatCon, Gary, and the fact that uh, obviously as a result of, uh, of the coronavirus that's obviously plaguing the world quite literally, um, Andy in fact participated in that, that tournament uh, but did so through a very, very different means. Um, do you guys want to talk a little bit about that and then also just just generally about MatCon because you know we haven't really touched on that too much apart from the odd um, promotional uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah, for which I'm very grateful. Thank you, Andy. That's, uh, it's great that you guys are, are um, giving us a plug. I really appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually um, came to diplomacy again. After, well, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s now, but I hadn't played since I was a teenager. And I just sort of stumbled across it online in mid-2018. Um, had good experience, met a few guys and played it. Um, so a big shout out to those guys. Um, and a few of them invited me over to, um, I think, MidCon in 2018 in Derby in the UK. Um, so I went down there, met a few of them. It had such a great time. I thought, come on, we need to be in the UK having more face-to-face games. The, the, the hobby has, I wouldn't say died a death, but very close to that in the face-to-face sense in the UK. So I uh, decided I would put a game on. Um, there was a lot of interest. It was worth um, renting a, a function room and uh, I think there was about 14 or 15 guys turned up on the first one which was 
spring. It was around about this time last year. It was the um, second and third of March, and I, I know that because uh, it was the weekend of my birthday, and there were fifteen <laughs> people there because I looked up the stats before about the podcast. Fantastic, thank you, Andy. Um, and yeah, we had a we had a great time. It was really successful, and uh, there was a, a real uh, real buzz about the place. I know there was only two boards. Some people may say that that's not a lot if you're attending the World Championships or something. But for for the UK recently, it I, I, I was a proud achievement for me. Um, so that was great. Um, repeated it again in um, I think it was October uh, last year, and then obviously decided we would have another one. Um, a couple of weeks ago which um uh, was yeah it was it was all going well everything was great lots of people were signed up and then all of a sudden as you rightly point out Andy, the world completely changed um so i had a real problem suddenly with obviously lots of people unable to attend unwilling to attend um lots of lots of people dropping out and can't blame them for that especially given what we know now um, but we did have enough for one board uh, on the first day. That was great. Now, Andy had always intended to travel over. Uh, but I guess, Andy, you, you better explain what happened because you had two problems, didn't you? With um, Yeah, uh, if I take boat. over here, if I take over here, um, I originally booked with a, a local airline called Flybe that operates out of the UK or did operate out of the UK. But they've been in financial difficulties for some time and they decided um, to go into administration in February. So my flights were no longer happening. Um, so at that point in time, I rebooked with a different airline. So I was still coming um, and I'd now taken the hit on two separate costs of travel, which is never cheap. Um, and it got to the day before I was due to fly over. I was coming over on the Friday, ready, sorry, the Friday, ready for a Saturday game. Um, and by Thursday, um, it was very much a case of coronavirus was becoming a real issue and a real problem. Um, but most people were thinking, do you know what? It's not that bad yet. It hasn't really hit the UK. Probably all right to go. But come Friday, um, I made the decision I wasn't going to get on that plane and fly. And on that day, that Friday, President Trump decided that all travel from Europe to America, other than from the UK, was banned. And our one and only ferry company in Jersey decided to make most of its boats um, freight only. It wasn't going to carry passengers anymore. So my reasoning for not going, i.e. I didn't want to get stuck in the UK, unable to get home, uh, was kind of being borne out on the Friday when I was due to be travelling. Um, I did say to Gary, look, I'm really, really sorry because I was planning on coming and I was really looking forward to it. But worst case scenario, if you're short of players, I could always um, call in and play by FaceTime. <laughs> uh, they were OK for numbers on Saturday, but um, come Sunday... They were down to six, so uh, I played remotely on the Sunday using FaceTime, which was a very interesting experience. Yes, the um, the, the Saturday numbers were interesting because we had a, a, a great guy called Alexander um, who was an American studying in uh, Ireland, and he'd, he'd flown over from Dublin uh, to uh, Manchester Airport, just around the corner from here, and he was uh, he was having a great time. He was playing really well. Everyone everyone was uh, getting on well with him. And then, of course, the afternoon comes towards the end of the Saturday game, and he has to tell me that Trump is closing down all all air travel to the US, and he's also closing it down from the UK and Ireland. And he had to race down in a taxi to Manchester Airport, get the last flight over to Dublin, um, and then get the last flight home 
I think on the Sunday morning back to the US. So Whoa. we suddenly found ourselves <laughs> shorthanded. <laughs> Six, the worst possible number of players, of course. Um, so so then we uh, we kicked in the contingency plan and and we said, okay, let's give this thing a try. Let's let's try yeah, let's try a video link to Andy. Um, and I'm really pleased I did. It worked very very well actually. Um, it, it was. Quite impressive. Well, to be fair, Andy could easily have won that game. Um, so, um, you know, it clearly worked well. And, and I guess, Andy, you probably want to talk about uh, how you found it. Yeah, well, we'd had some discussions over how it would work or how we'd a- approach this um, if, if it came to that. And the general consensus was um, if I had a physical board set up here in Jersey, and they had a physical board there, then every time um, we came to uh, the end of a full and, and we had to start putting uh, different pieces on and moving pieces around and that's, uh, well, even just moving pieces around. We just had to check at the end of each, um, you know, orders phase, movement phase, that both boards matched before we went into the diploming phase again. Um, in terms of the actual diploming, I, I said I didn't want to have six different people texting me, messaging me, WhatsApping, and trying to hold six different conversations at once. That would just be a nightmare. I said it'd be far fairer and far better if my presence at the game was in the form of um, a mobile device and if players wanted to talk to me or, or negotiate, they would have to take that physical device into a quiet corner, just the same as if I was there. So that's what happened. We had uh, one mobile in the room that was designated and constantly linked to me. Um, and people would take me away in the corner to have a conversation. There were downsides to this because obviously um, if you're physically in the room or present at the game you can see what other players are doing and who they're talking with and mm-hmm. get a feel for the, the the general i don't know atmosphere in the room and, and who's worried and who's whatever and i i only got to see the people who were talking to me as as england i didn't really get to talk to or see turkey very much at all obviously um so you know th- there were challenges there with not being able to just look around you and see what's going on equally um I'd had many conversations with France and Germany, but when they wanted to go and negotiate with other people, there were times that the phone was just put down. Um, and sometimes there was um, earphones put in, um, so my voice wasn't booming out across the room for everyone to hear. Um, so I wasn't able to attract people's attention to say, look, can can Russia come over and talk to me or whatever, because nobody was looking at the phone. <laughs> so I, I did try messaging people and say, look, can you come and talk to me? And um, yeah. The messages didn't always work. So, you know, there are challenges doing it that way, but it does work and it works very well on this occasion. I mean, I, I mean, I guess, like, being realistic, this is like a um, quite literally a, a first time doing anything like this that I'm aware of. Um, so there's going to be some lessons along the way and, and the points that you raised, Andy, make perfect sense. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine if I was in your position, if if I was, you know, England, I was wanting to talk to Russia and it's like, oh, I want to talk to Russia and it's like nobody's connecting me up through to Russia, it'd be a real pain in the ass. So um, how did you kind of grapple with that problem or you just kind of just suck it up? Generally speaking, um, because... I was England, and throughout the entire game, I was allies to Germany and France. Um, at the beginning of each um, diploming phase, I generally had the phone taken away by either France or Germany or both of them to have a chat with them. Now, another issue I faced is when I'm looking at the screen, I can only see what the camera of that screen is showing me. If there was somebody standing the other side of the phone listening on the conversation, I would have no- not known about that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if I was present in the room, I'd be able to see with my own eyes who's within earshot. So I was having to be trusting of the people I was diploming with that they weren't, um, you know, allowing other people to listen in on conversation and, and which can happen in diplomacy. You know, there's nothing stopping you going in here working on other people's uh, negotiations. But I was a little bit of a disadvantage from that. But that's just one of the things that you have to deal with when you're playing remotely. And, and um, you know, we, we've sort of spoken beforehand and said, look, guys, if, if just to be fair to me, if, if you're going to be taking me to a good one or two to talk, please just let me know if there's anyone else within earshots. And I just have to trust that they did that, which I, I believe they did. I, I don't believe there were any issues of that. But, you know, I'm never going to know. No, that, everyone played fair, Andy. I can I can vouch for that. Um, but one of the one of the challenges I found as the host and the tournament director um, was just making sure that not only was I able to play my own game because I I was playing it's not my preference as TD I prefer not to but you know I needed to make up the numbers um, but uh, it's obviously difficult you've got a bit of a conflict of interest you know it might be very much in my interests for Andy not to. Um, be able to communicate with somebody or whatever. Just as a uh, question, Gary, hand, which, which player were you, which country did oh, you Oh, I was draw? Austria. I was Austria. Okay, cool. So um, fortunately, we didn't have any conflict of interest really on the board. Um, I, I guess it was probably the best choice I could have been really, Austria, in that in that scenario. Um, but but obviously, as, as TD, I want to make sure everything's fair, everyone's having a good game. Um, Andy is treated well and wants to come back to the next tournament uh, once the flights are running again. Um, so you've always got those little conflicts of interest, but I, I, for me, it's always about prioritising fairness, about people getting to play and having a good time. So, um, you know, from my point of view, it never became an issue, but I could see how it would be for some people, you know, the more competitive people might try and take advantage of that in some scenarios. And, and I would say, that needs to be policed a little bit but hopefully you know in most games people are generally pretty fair pretty good i think in, in most cases people will treat you know won't abuse that system but it's certainly something that a td will need to just keep an eye on if this system is used elsewhere definitely um so, yeah. if i can just kind of um ask some questions around that gary so like if you if you weren't forced to actually play and you were just playing the straight normal tournament director role mm. based on the ex- and I'm actually asking this really from the point of view of we're going to be in this situation obviously now for you know two three whatever months and any tournament directors out there who have a diplomacy tournament scheduled I think it'd be really really great for them to learn uh, as much as they can from your experience around you know what you can do in running a tournament uh, rather than just postponing it and waiting for all this stuff to blow over. So my, the context of my question was, if you weren't actually playing in the game and you were solely wearing your hat as a tournament director, how would you probably have played things a little bit differently to incorporate Andy or alternatively multiple players uh, who may be kind of uh, engaging in the tournament via FaceTime or some other similar format? It's a really good question. Um, I, with one player, I guess it would be fairly straightforward. So had I not been playing, I could have helped Andy be a lot more proactive. So making sure that I'm, as TD, constantly engaging with him when he's not obviously talking to somebody else. Um, if there are people that he wants to talk to, actively taking the device to that person. Um, he might even be saying 
things like, you know, pan the camera around the room. I want to see who's talking to who, that kind of thing. Um, you can you can really be his eyes and ears, and obviously, provided you're scrupulously neutral on on how you play that, um, then that that would work very well, I think. And you could you could almost hold the hold the device near your own head and just walk around, so he sees what you see, and he could perhaps guide you around. So that would uh, that would be quite straightforward. Doing that with multiple parties could be a real challenge because the danger is, of course, that because of circumstance you end up whether you mean to or not giving a lot more time to one person or people than to others um personal relationships might come into that perhaps you are friends with one of the guys a little bit more than somebody else it would be difficult to be unbiased um you'd have to try and be scrupulously fair in that kind of sense um and and just act with real integrity and, and put aside any any personal animosity, any any grudges that you've got about any of the other players or, or any favourites, you know, you have to you have to be very fair. But if you can do that um, and perhaps have, you know, ask the other players whether they think you are being fair, then I guess it can work. You'd be rushed off your feet, though, running from camera to camera and moving them around. <laughs> it would be a hell of a task. If I can <laughs> butt in here, Ambi, um are you guys busy on the weekend of the 4th and 5th of April? Me? You're talking to me. Um, uh, we're probably pretty much in semi-lockdown, so uh, plenty of time on our hands. <laughs> Excellent, because the London Diplomacy Club have advertised on their Facebook page um, CoronaCon. So <laughs> yeah, I, I will read out. I will read out what they put. So CoronaCon, Saturday 4th of April, Do you have to drink PM, Coronas Sunday all 5th. the way through it? Because I'm not okay. <laughs> So it says, hi all, about 40 players have shown an interest and others will join us the word spreads. This is a real-time diplomacy tournament with discussions and orders taking place through a website interface. So you'll need to set aside four to five hours for the game as you would at a face-to-face tournament. So I don't know quite what... Um, tech they're using or, or interface they're using, but it sounds like everyone will be playing remotely, but it will be a live tournament, just as if you're playing face-to-face. Um, it won't be um, like internet or, or um, you know, where, where you sign up and play internet diplomacy um, and you have like a day, two days or a week for your orders. This will be a real time, just like face-to-face, just done remotely. And it's called Con- CoronaCon and it's 4th or 5th of April. I'm, I'm absolutely loving the idea of, I, I don't know if you guys are aware, like those um, battle battle bots, you know, like these these bots which people build and they go into an arena and they fight. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. But actually retrofitting Rebel some bots. of those ones so that, you know, there's, there's a camera on them. You can control your little robot from your computer anywhere in the world and you can walk it around in, a, in an arena and talk to other players like you're talking to little robots, like your little robot is in this space and it's all communicating the orders like that. I can't get that image out of my head. I, I think that's <laughs> it's 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 such a great con dealing with this. I'd love to be involved with the CoronaCon. I'm definitely going to <laughs> uh, look I'm, up the uh, look up the page. I'm loving that idea with the robots. Uh, that's yeah, it's getting into real sci-fi territory, aren't we here? And it's it's fantastic. You know, this is this is uh, coronavirus forcing. Innovation and change, something good will come of it and all, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, so who's actually organising that? Is that Marvin or...? Uh, I guess well, it must be Marvin. It says, it says at the bottom, okay, that... Uh, well, 
at, at the end it says happy stabbing Toby Harris and David Cleopadre, whoever they are. Well, uh, when you have registered, please email David Cleopadre. So it looks like it's, it's David who is sort of heading it up um, with the assistance of Toby Harris. I must admit, looking at, sorry, I'm just on the London Diplomacy Club Facebook page at the moment because I've previously had conversations with Marvin. Uh, I think the uh, the tournament kicks off at 2pm Greenwich Mean Time on Saturday the 4th of April, which Kana, uh, putting it into Australian parlance, is about midnight Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I, I like my beauty sleep. <laughs> you don't want to push on through, guys, and uh, just... just fuel yourself with caffeine yeah. and wine all the way through. Oh, oh okay, okay. It, would, okay. it would be even messier than Poppycon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to uh, to bring your attention to that because, to me, w- with the way the world's going at the moment and with the challenges that has been faced um, with trying to, to get players together to play face-to-face diplomacy, this could really be the way forward. If this works well, um, I suspect that live diplomacy gaming could end up being done more this way in future than actually physically getting together um, to play. I hope that the face-to-face hobby will never completely die out, but just the logistics of getting people together, I suspect this is probably going to be the way forwards. It kind of sounds almost like an amalgam between normal face-to-face and online gameplay. It's kind of like a mashup between the two, is it? I, I think so. so. I've, yeah. I've, I've not asked questions as to how it's going to work. It's something I need to look into because, um, funnily enough, I'm totally free that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just like amazing. everybody we pretty much. Clear as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, funnily enough, Jersey is not yet in lockdown. The UK is in lockdown. All of the other channel lines are in lockdown. But Jersey, at the moment, uh, it's only over 65s and vulnerable people. But uh, the word on have the street any, is, come, come Monday. There, Sorry? Have you got any cases in Jersey at the moment? Yeah, um, 52 confirmed cases, one confirmed Jeez. death um, on a, a population of 106,000. Wow, that's pretty bloody high. Yeah, it's, it's not good. So um, we believe that the island will be in lockdown on Monday, which is only two days away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, most people are already working from home. I'm basically self-isolating. Um, so, yeah, it's it's coming. It's definitely coming. Uh, Gary, this is obviously in the UK. You, you guys are actually in lockdown now. Uh, Australia's been just for your info. We're kind of like in this. I said at the beginning, like a bit of a semi-lockdown. We're not officially in lockdown, but it's like many, many essential industries essentially have been just like shafted and, and you know been told no, you can't open up. So you know, um, sorry, what did you say, Kana? I was just saying essential workers. Um, Whatever the yeah, definition whatever that of an designation is. Gents, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you're aware yet, but uh, Prince Charles, the second in line yes. to the throne, has tested positive, as has and, Boris Johnson, yes. our prime minister. <laughs> yeah, being, yes. being in Australia, being in, in one of the colonies, uh, and I use it in inverted commas, is very, very quickly we get reported of what happens to Prince Charles or Bojo. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You you were going to ask something of me there, Andy. You were you were working up to something. Oh fuck yeah! Sorry, I'm interrupting again. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, I mean, my, my sister-in-law actually lives in Birmingham, so she's in Aussie. All oh, right, and, uh, and and lives there with her uh, her um, uh, obviously her husband, who's also an Aussie, and they're they're essentially just in in 
because he he's got a, he he actually he's like uh, he's my age, so like probably late forties, but has a, a fair whack of um, medical issues. So they're pretty much in in total isolation. Uh, are you finding at the moment when it comes to uh, this is probably more a, a Gary question, obviously with the UK being in isolation at the moment. What is you know lockdown? Is it essentially you know? Um, uh, you, you can't leave your house full stop or you can leave your house to go to, you know, um, Tesco's or whatever like that. What's the, what's the situation, just for my knowledge, so I can understand? Well, the, the official line is that um, you only leave your house for exercise once a day, uh, maybe to walk the dog, um, or if you absolutely have to go to work by leaving the house and you cannot work from home. Um, you're also allowed to leave the house to go and buy food or to go to the pharmacist. So that's the that's the official line. The In the real world, especially in a small provincial town like Macclesfield, what it really means is most people are out in the hills walking. There's joggers everywhere because they can't go to the gym. Um, there's loads of cyclists in this. For some reason, it's a hotbed of cycling around here. And you can't drive anywhere without being stuck behind a cyclist on a windy country lane, uh, unable to overtake. Um, so while it's, yeah, there's, there's queues at the supermarkets and people are, people are standing in line two metres apart and so on, it's not, to a certain degree, there's a, an element of people just going out and going about their business as best they can, sort of sneaking out and, and getting under the radar, really, and going for a walk and going out in the hills and, and hiking and so on. So is it a true lockdown? Doesn't feel like it in mm. that sense. Um, but if, yeah, if you want to go out and get a coffee or and have some fun anywhere, forget it. That's, uh, that's not an option. Okay, that's interesting. So like, it's, it's not too dissimilar to, uh, to Australia where everything you said is exactly the same, although, for example, if you went to the, the local cafe or coffee shop, you can't sit there but you can get a takeaway ah right okay yeah so everything much is the same everything way that, is closed in that sense here um, yeah so all, much the same all way the bars that, uh, pubs, yeah. strangely enough in australia whilst bars are closed um takeaway bottle shops so from your point of view your parlance off licenses uh yep. still considered to be essential services you still have drive-through <laughs> bottle shops there don't you yes we do i've got one Fantastic. about uh, about two or three hundred meters down the road Excellent. Yeah, when I when I visited Oz when I was a kid, I, I, that just blew me away. Just to, I used to actually when I was yeah. at university, I used to work through a drive-through bottle shop. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> People <laughs> just drive up in a Ute and just load up with all their beer for the week and drive up. It was fantastic. It's funny because obviously on this show, generally speaking, I, I usually drink, you know, uh, red wine and everything like that. And I think I, I remember as an eighteen-year-old kid, as a university student, you know, working in this bottle shop, and someone would drive through asking for, you know, what's a good bottle of wine? It's like fuck if I know, you know. Typical Aussie response: Why? What do you prefer? Yeah. What's got the highest alcoholic volume? <laughs> yeah, excellent. Do you still have uh, Do you still have VB over there? Is that still a, a yeah, 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 yeah. V- yeah v- VB is is. I mean, yeah. that was my that was my beer of choice as a university student. Um, yeah, same when I was eighteen, nineteen, doing the backpacking thing. Yeah, it was it was the go to. And the best thing, in which case, I don't know if you remember, like, okay, so normally most beers in Australia are well were previously served in like a three hundred and seventy five mil stubby. 
Okay. Yeah, the stubbies, yeah. Now yeah. they've kind of progressively reduced it down to about 325, 300 mils just to kind of, you know, save on money or whatever like that. But VB actually produced this little 200 mil, what was called a grenade, which was, like, <laughs> which was literally like the size of a grenade. But because of the size of them and how quickly you just smash them and because of being called VB, which is meant, meant to be Victoria Bitter, uh, it also got quickly translated as being Vomit Bomb. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. But Kana can probably tell you more about that because he's technically a Victorian as he kind of used to remind me when we were kind of getting smashed uh, down at PoppyCon and uh, became very, very parochial and, and pro-Victorian and quickly ditched his um, recent Queensland roots. And uh, so he might be able to tell you a little bit more about VB and Melbourne Bitter and all that type of stuff. Oh, Colton Draft, I've always thought was better than the VB. Um, nothing much more to say about it. I mean, it... I find each state's got its sort of state drink in Australia and um, it's not always the best drink, but if you want to fit in, you kind of end up drinking that beer at the pub. Um, So up in Queensland, it's 4X. Um, Victoria, you drink your VB. Down in Tasmania, it depends if you're in north and south, you either drink Bogues or um, what's that other one, Ambi? Cascade. Uh, Cascade. Um, New South Wales is Tui's, West yep. Australia is Swan, uh, South Australia is more Coopers, and Northern Territory, fucked if I know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Drink anything up there, won't they? Yeah, they just drink anything that's wet and full of alcohol. <laughs> so has the whole craft beers thing taken off in Oz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that was, that was the funny thing because when, when I was living in the UK, which is like – far out like you know about uh, 12 years ago i absolutely simply loved what, it, what they weren't calling it craft beer back then but it was it was that type of you know small brewery type of thing and i loved the quality of what you got as opposed to kind of you know drinking the usual run-of-the-mill you know massively produced lagers uh you know carling and things like that so um and then when i came back to australia all of a sudden they started producing these things but like yeah there's lots of them now but that being said i'm pretty sure the coronavirus is kind of going to wipe out half of those which is not unsurprising yeah i hadn't even thought about that and that's a that is a tragedy in itself um, absolutely yeah yeah i mean totally just around right. here macclesfield's a small town but it's got loads of little microbreweries all around you know surrounded by oh, probably 10 or 15 of them within not very many miles and uh, they're all producing great beer uh, it's fantastic and yeah if some of those go i'll be i'll be devastated frankly mm. yeah i heard a lot of them are starting to turn their hand to producing hand sanitizer yeah wouldn't surprise me absolutely got big vats of alcohol we might as well do something useful with it Mm. I know that um, Bundaberg Rum has kind of pretty much switched all their ethanol. They kind of gave a massive, like, hundreds of thousands of litres of ethanol through to um, basically be used as, as sanitizer to um, uh, sterilise things or hands or whatever. Who knows? Yeah, Bundaberg, um, Bundaberg is the thing that has made me the most ill on this planet. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I will remember that, Gally, for the next time I'm playing diplomacy with you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love Bundaberg rum as like an 18, 19-year-old, a very precocious and, dare I say, arrogant 18, 19-year-old. It's a perfect diplomacy player. And 
and would like I remember like my wife you know we were just dating at the time and I'd be walking around with with like this 375 mil you know flask shoved down you know my jeans in you know usual early 90s style full of Bundaberg rum and yeah it wasn't wasn't it was pretty messy afterwards but um it was definitely the drink of the time do they still do it in uh, – I, I remember ordering uh, – you'd get a jug of rum and coke or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, big, yeah. Yeah, that's, that still happens, yeah, because those oh, are things are You're very classy if you order that. Oh, well, it was my 19th <laughs> birthday and I was working in a backpacker's place at uh, Early Beach. And, oh, I love um, it. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 a few guys were leaving the bar. They were, they were pissed up already. They, they um, had – I think they, there were two jugs that they'd ordered, which they didn't really want for whatever mad reason. And they said, hey, you, it's your birthday. Have these. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after, after those had gone, I think there was some kind of happy hour at a local club with um, VB was 50 cents a, a stubby or something <laughs> stupid. Anyway, you can, you can guess the rest. I'm not going into detail. <laughs> Okay, so we do need to kind of remind listeners this actually is a podcast about diplomacy and not about just getting blotto or Australian alcohol, uh, or British alcohol for that point of view. Um, okay, so just in the context, if I can just kind of take like 20 steps back to MacCon, I do remember, Gary, you kind of um, sending me an email around MacCon, you know, a number of months back and around the whole Tour of Britain thing. And... Mm. I'm keen to understand where things are at in this this coronavirus world that we currently live in when it comes to the, the Tour of Britain and, and whether the CoronaCon is part of that or, or what's what's going down in that space. Is that still a thing, the Tour of Britain, or has it been kind of put on ice? It's still a thing at the moment. Uh, the next event is for, I think it's the 24th of June in London. Um, I'm kind of taking the view that it might happen, you know. What's that? It's it's nearly three months away, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it's it, it could, From it, you know, recording. we could be we could be past this pesky plague by then. Um, so I, I haven't cancelled the booking. I've got it still, you know, still active. Um, I've not had anything from the venue to say that they're cancelling. Um, so I'm I'm keeping fingers crossed that that's going to happen. If it doesn't, uh, I'll try my best to reorganise it perhaps for maybe July or, or August if necessary. Um, and then we've got the third event will be in late September in York, beautiful historic city. Um, so uh, and anyone who's ever convoyed Yorkshire to uh, Belgium will know the value of York. And, um, <laughs> and I must admit, I agree with you, York is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful yeah. town, wonderful city. It is. I, I chose it carefully because, um, well partially because my girlfriend lives up there so I get free accommodation um, but partially because some people have said they would like to be in a place where they can bring a partner and you know if, if they're playing for the weekend and they want to to bring a spouse along or, or, or a family or whatever they can make a, a tourist trip out of it so that was the the logic there and um, so that's late September again hopefully this will all be past us by then and, and we'll be able to do that um, and then um, the final, there's some debate about the location of the final event. Um, so I will keep my powder dry on that one um, and we'll, I'll, I'll send out a proper notification of where the final um, decision is on the final event, but that'll be November time. So I think we should get at least uh, the MacCon we've had, plus at least one or two of those. So yes, there's a tour, um, you know, at the moment. We'll see how we go. 
uh, watch this space. Can I give you like an inspirational goal, which is, you know, you guys just ignore if you wish. Um, I reckon it would be awesome to have like a tour of Britain, which is literally every territory in the uh, what's considered to be England for the classic board. So you play a game in London, you move to London, you go to Edinburgh, Clyde, Liverpool, Wales. That would be fantastic. <laughs> you know what? You missed Yorkshire. You missed Yorkshire. But... Oh, did I say Yorkshire? You didn't. But you missed, I you missed Wales. You well. didn't need to. You didn't need I to. I said did Wales. Yeah, so Wales. Yeah, Yorkshire's not in Wales, though. I may have been for a little bit. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm devastated that I didn't even think of that, Andy. And, uh, and yeah, that, that is genuinely inspiring, and I think we should do that. Absolutely, we've got uh, we've got no excuse. Um, can I can I ask your opinions, Andy and, and Kamer? Yeah, um, go it's for been, it, Andy. It's it's been uh, touted that maybe I should try and organise um, a diplomacy convention in Jersey, but nobody really likes the name Jerkon. <laughs> I think it's a. I reckon the marketing of that is just fantastic. I mean, <laughs> well, if you're having a diplomacy convention in Jersey, it's it's kind of lending itself to jerk on which. <laughs> oh dearie me! Quick, drink some wine. <laughs> Anyway, going, going back to tour of Great Britain, very interestingly, the last time that there was a tour of Great Britain was in 2015, and um, Yorkshire was actually featured in that. There were three steps of the tour. There was Yorkie Dipcon, uh, there was Manicon, and there was Midcon. And Midcon was my first ever, uh, in 2015, my first ever live face-to-face game. How did you end up placing um, well, the very first game, I was um, England. Uh, I, I finished first on that board with 11 centres, but don't think that that was due to skill. I was basically being given a, a easy ride of it by the experienced players who wanted to make sure I had a good first game and, and wasn't going to um, think this is crap and I, I don't do very well. So got an easy ride on the first game. Second game, because I'd done well on the first game, um, I, I didn't get a free pass. So I, I drew Turkey. And I ended up fourth with five centres. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, The following year, there was no diplomacy, face-to-face diplomacy played in England. That was 2016. Um, 2017, obviously, there was the World Diplomacy Championships in... uh, Well, sorry, let me rephrase. I'm not saying there was no diplomacy played in in Britain, but there certainly wasn't any formal tournaments in 2016. Uh, 2017, there was the World Diplomacy Championships, which um, I had intended to go to, but unfortunately wasn't able to make in the end. Um, And then by 2018, that's when um, diplomacy started to happen again in in the UK. Uh, A few people got together at um, Midcon um, in the November of 2018, but there wasn't enough for full boards. They played variants. Um, So then in 2019, Sorry, actually, I'm getting, getting my, my dates wrong. 2018, that was when uh, when we had our... Yeah, that was when we met, wasn't it? And yes. 2017 was the one without... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, 2017, no diplomacy played. Uh, oh, no, only variants were played. And then by 2018, we managed to get uh, a tournament at Midcon in 2018, which Gary won, which, uh, g- hmm. given Midcon has historically been the UK Diplomacy Championships, that means in 2015, I was the UK Diplomacy Champion. 
And then in 2018, Gabby was um, the, diplomacy, well, the UK diplomacy champion. And since nobody seems to be challenging those, we're going to we're going to claim those titles, whether other people like it or not. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, following the, the 2018 um, Midcon, Gabby very kindly um, stepped up to the plate and started organising uh, the Macons. And uh, you know, we've now moved from having a couple of Macons a year and a Midcon to actually trying to incorporate that into a tour of Great Britain. So uh, we, we've gone from 2015, where we had a tour of Great Britain, to 2016, no tournaments at all. And we're back to, uh, you know, having a few games a year and, and uh, a tour of Great Britain. And it's all thanks to Gary and, and the efforts that he's putting in. So, uh, yeah, it's growing again. Brilliant. Awesome. Hey, can I just go back to the game that you guys played together where obviously Andy came in through FaceTime? Um I'm trying to remember, Andy, which player you played because I've had a couple of wines since then. Uh, <laughs> I was England in that one. You're England, and Gary, you were Austria. Okay, cool. How'd you guys end up at the end? <laughs> at the end of the game, bearing in mind for the whole game, um, England, my, my country, I was allied with Germany and France. Um, there was a four-way tie for first place: um, England, France, Germany, and. Turkey. Uh, Turkey all ended on six centres and Turkey had been on four centres um, on the penultimate move and then stabbed to get an extra couple of centres because he didn't really want uh, a three-way Western triple, you know, winning. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a very peculiar game um, where we ended up with some kind of four-way Eastern alliance versus a three-way Western triple. Um, never really seen it before and Turkey basically agreed to not repeatedly stab me in the back which as austria is always a lovely uh, lovely thing to, hear. thing to hear yeah. oh, absolutely. <laughs> as long as he follows but, through with the goods he, <laughs> i mean you've got you've got russia which was um strategus of play diplomacy who is uh, yes. a really strong player he yeah, won yeah, he, uh, he won all the live game the face-to-face games last year i think um he was he was Russia. Um, got Turkey was Dib, and, and these these guys are top top players on online um, and face to face. I have to say, and and to have <laughs> to have you know as Austria looking over your shoulder at uh, at those guys as Russia and Turkey, um, it was quite a frightening place to be. I have to say, but uh, once the Western Triple coalesced, they they uh, very rapidly decided the right thing to do was to stand by me in Italy and. Uh, yeah, thank goodness. I didn't. I didn't get wiped out within a couple of years, which uh, was pretty much what happened to me in the first game on the Saturday as Germany. Hmm. Out, of, out of interest, guys, how do you, or how do you score the tournaments? C Diplo. C C Diplo. C, C Diplo. So for those that aren't familiar, it's um, a system. I think it's a, a European system. It might be French generated, which. Um, I won't bore you with the technicalities. You can Google that. But Does it mean it's... everyone wins if it's a French system? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Every child wins a prize. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, 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 uh, it tends to promote cooperative play. Um, you only need to um, just get one extra centre at the end to, to get a big difference in point scoring. So, um, yeah, it, you don't have to absolutely brutalise the opposition and, and get yourself up to 15, 16. You know, you, you can get a very healthy score with uh, on eight if everybody else is on seven and below. Um, so, you know, that kind of appeals to me as the sort of person who likes a, 
uh, uh, cuddly, friendly kind of environment. Um, but yeah, it seems to work all right. So that's that's and, and nobody's complained about it. That's the most important thing. I haven't had anyone say, "Oh, Gary, you bastard, what you're doing with uh, C Diplo?" So yeah, it's uh, it's working all right. Gary, can I jump in for a second on that one? So I don't know if you guys recently listened to the most recent episode we had where we had an interview with Melissa Call, but particularly with Andrew Goff. And at one stage you talked a little bit around European gameplay and how everything all kind of works along swimmingly until about, I can't remember if it was 2018, sorry, not 1908 or 1909 where everything just goes batshit crazy because there's pretty much a ceiling everyone just starts stabbing each other like crazy my question actually is is to both of you guys you know as 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 british players to what extent is the british um gameplay and diplomacy different to european gameplay i can't comment on european gameplay because i've only ever played diplomacy in britain but i I can relate to what you're talking about um if you want to make sure you come out on top and, and win then certainly when you're getting to the last um, sort of four rounds of the game, um, certainly the last two or three rounds, you're definitely looking at where you can pick up extra um, supply centres. Um, certainly on the, on that last game two weeks ago where I was playing remotely, um, I could have easily taken Sweden off Germany. There was nothing they could do to stop me. And Belgium and Holland, there was only one unit that could stop me um, putting my fleet from the North Sea into either Belgium or Holland, and that was an army um, in Belgium, which I'd agreed with uh, France, the owner of, of that uh, army unit, so that we were going to bounce in Holland. But having done that already for a couple of moves, I knew he was going to move to Holland. I could easily have taken Belgium. So I could have ended up with Sweden and Belgium as extra centres on the last um, go of the game, mm-hmm. depriving France and Germany both of um, a supply centre. So they would have ended up both on five. I would have ended up on eight. And Divas Turkey would have ended up on six. Um, I chose to stay loyal to my alliance, and Turkey um, stabbed on the last move to get himself two extra centres and come joint first on that um, that final board. And having come first on the board um, the previous day, he very much came out on top for the, the tournament. Um, yeah, it's the way it is. It, it, if you want to win, you have to stab at the end. Yeah, I, I, I don't have much to add in terms of the European style either, because I also have only played in the UK. Um, so... Yeah, I don't honestly know the answer. Uh, there are other people definitely who would do, though, um, and I'm sure you'll be able to interview some of them very soon. Um, Marvin might well know the answer in London. He, he may be mm-hmm. the right person to, to quiz on that point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting thing because I, I, would like to, I would like to get overseas and play some, you know, play, see some different styles, see how people do this and, uh, and see what I can learn from them. Can I just say, out of all of the players I've played diplomacy with, Marvin is by far the most intimidating. <laughs> he's brutal, isn't he? Yeah, he really he's a lovely, is. lovely guy. Yeah, I'm not going to hear a word said against him. He's a lovely bloke, and he's doing a lot for promoting the hobby in the UK. Oh, in monthly games in London, yeah. he's brilliant. But if you're neighbouring on him in a game, and my only game I've played, I played one with the London Diplomacy Club. I was Austria, and he was Russia. And literally, from the very opening, he came straight over to me and said, right, well, obviously, we don't want to be up fighting. We, we want to keep this area as a demilitarized zone, blah, blah, blah. It was literally full on, in your face. It's really <laughs> That doesn't sound like any Australian diplomacy players that uh, Kana and I are familiar with. 
<laughs> I think it, I think it's a pretty similar trait across the board, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the people yeah, he's, that he's I play with player, typically, Marvin. the people I play with typically in the UK, it's a kind of more relaxed style and, and more friendly style of negotiating. You go and talk, you go and decide <laughs> you what you want to do. It's, it's not for <laughs> pressure you into doing what you want. So, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be very interesting when I eventually make the move and, and um, play, you know, elsewhere. I, I do expect to come across different styles of um, diploming and negotiations because uh, I, I think that the, the UK standard or, or what I'm used to may not be what I'm, I can come to expect elsewhere, really. It may well be, Andy, that that's simply because we're a very small community at the moment who all know each other pretty well and, and we're all going to be having a drink after and going for a curry and perhaps don't want to, <laughs> don't want to rock the boat too much. Um, you know, there may be an element of that. Uh, yeah, when, when you're playing against people who you've never met before and who are highly competitive, I, I haven't yet been really um, thrust into that, that vicious world, but very much looking forward to... It, when it happens, it'll be a real eye-opener, I'm sure. Hey, um, Andy, I've got a really, what might seem like a bizarre question, but a number of times in the interview you've talked about diploing. How is diploing different to general negotiation? Sorry, um, diploming rather than diploming. Is it diploming? Sorry, dif- different um, different pronunciations, Australian, you know. British. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I guess it's just a word I use for negotiations. I mean, you're diploming, you're, you're talking to other people about some, you know, are you, who are you going to stab, who are you going to work with? Um, yeah, I, I just kind of see it's rather than just negotiations, you're diploming, you're deciding um, with other players who you're going to work with, who you're going to ally with, who you're going to stab. I, know, I think it's great. I, I've just never heard um, diploming in a... Obviously, used it in the context of a verb. It's like yeah, yeah. I think it's, know, I think it's, know, yeah, I think it's ago, a but now um, yeah. maybe maybe it's going to be the thing everyone uses in the future. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard it used a few times in the UK, but uh, not seen it from elsewhere. So yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just the local vernacular. Well, there you go. I've started the trend. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that um, we we do in the UK, and I, I don't know whether this is um, done in in um, Australia. So please enlighten us. Um, but when it comes to uh, mutual countries, things like Norway and Sweden, I always, um, w- when one of those is occupied by one of the major powers um, at the fall of whatever move, I always put a little counter on of that colour to show that that territory is occupied by, you know, if it's Germany, it's going to be a little black centre, a little black counter. And then when the black unit moves out and maybe a, a purple one moves in, even if a purple unit is in there, you know it's still um, at the moment a black occupied territory until such time to get to the full move. And yeah, I, I find it really helps when you're looking at a board um, to have those little counters showing which who occupies each of the supply centres. Um, is that something you do in Australia, or is that just a great, great, great question? I, I know, for example, in in the the uh, the, the local face to face games we play in Brisbane, we we tend to do that. Um, I remember, and Kane, please jump in, that back at the Melbourne Open this time last year, that was done, but I didn't actually see it at PoppyCon. Did you, Kane? No, I didn't see it this year. And, I don't and think I saw it last year, actually. And there was an confusion around that as a result, I think. 
Yeah, it's really useful as a TD. Uh, this is something Andy introduced me to um, when we first met at, uh, at MidCon a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, for, I guess, a dollar or whatever, you can go onto Amazon, buy a great big bag of these little, little, just little, you know, uh, half a centimetre across little counters, just put them on on the uh, on the territories as they change hands and when you're center counting it's an absolute godsend especially when you're on tight deadlines and everyone's freaking out um you can just calculate it really quickly write it all down nobody can argue with it nobody's doing the whole hang on a minute this happened that happens you know what about such and such it's all mm. there obvious on the border to glance dead easy couldn't recommend it enough i i, I definitely find it useful for our face-to-face games ambi i just counting wise yeah absolutely um, i've personally felt at poppycon this year the counting was done really quickly and i just had to take the final count on trust um because i you know at that stage i would had a couple of beers and it's like yeah no, okay, you, just, you had a lot of so. ciders that was the problem yeah exactly <laughs> But you, but you are hundred percent right. I mean, I, actually, I, I personally, I don't think anyone abused the system, but there was definitely an opportunity to potentially abuse the system. So, um, hey, Gary, so you, you, you play at Playdip, and obviously you play a bit of face to face. Yes. How how does your gameplay change between the two, if anything? I'm much worse at face to face. There's no question about that. Just like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, yeah, I, I, I am not the sort of person who excels in a fast-moving environment where I have to make instant decisions. You know, somebody takes me over to a corner and says, what are you going to do about such and such? I don't know. I haven't thought about that yet. Give me a chance here, guys. Um, whereas online, obviously, I can sit down with a coffee, I can get my board out, move a few things around or use backstabber and play out through a few scenarios, see what the board's going to look like. Much better. So yeah, I'm, I'm a far better player online. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a good player online, but I'm certainly better. Um, but that's not, you know, I'm, I'm playing face-to-face for the fun of it, the love of it. I, I would love to win. I would, you know, it's great feeling, but frankly, I'm doing it for the enjoyment uh, and if other people are also getting enjoyment as a as a side effect running these tournaments, then so much the better. You know, it's just a great feeling having a bunch of really great people and having a great time enjoying the game and growing the game. That's uh, So that's why I do the face-to-face thing. Um, online, yeah, I, I, I do play to win. Just occasionally it even works. Totally agree. So um, yeah, we can always edit this out later. But um, did you want to disclose what your handle is on Playdip? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. So I'm phlegmatic on Playdip. And, uh, yeah, uh, anyone who uh, wants to get in touch with me through there, um, please do. Um, you know, I, I advertise uh, the uh, the tour of Britain and so forth on, on Playdip under that handle. So I am the same person. Um, also, I do have an account on Web Diplomacy, um, and I, uh, my, my handle on there is uh, Diplomac, um, so Diplo, M-A-C-C. Um, unfortunately, somebody else had already taken Phlegmatic on there. Um, so I also advertise... <laughs> A cyber squatter. <laughs> I know, it's selfish, selfish bastard. Well, so somebody was obviously impressed with, uh, with, with it's his exploits on the other one. 
Oh, maybe maybe that's it. Yes, yes. I, I don't. I don't know if you remember, Gary, but when when you first talked about being phlegmatic, sorry, had a couple of ones. Uh, phlegmatic. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of went, oh, that sounds like a really cool name. And then actually, for some reason, I googled it and realised it's actually a real word in the English dictionary. Oh, yes, really? It <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> what well, would you like to describe it as a definition for what is a phlegmatic? Um, uh, my understanding is it's it's a kind of philosophical, relaxed outlook. You, you take things in your stride without getting freaked out, remaining calm, um, which is, yeah, that's how I try to play my games online. Uh, I, it would probably not be entirely accurate for my face-to-face exploits, oh, which are <laughs> a little <laughs> more hazardous face-to-face with you, Gary, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Andy, I've got a question for you. So you, you mentioned earlier that you don't play face to face, yet you live in a little island off the coast of France with next to no people, half of which seem to have coronavirus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why don't you play online? I think it may be coming to that. Um, I've, I've always <laughs> I've always avoided it in the past because um, and anybody who I've ever seen who gets involved in online gaming. Um, I always find it takes up an awful lot of time, or it seems to take up an awful lot of their time. And I, I prefer the actual, you know, face-to-face contact with people. Mm. So I fear if I signed up for uh, an online account, I'd end up being very antisocial, never actually going out and, and seeing people, and I'd spend all my time playing it. And for that reason, I refuse to do it. But if, if we get to the point where, um, for a very, very long period of time, we cannot go out and see people... I think there's a very strong chance that I might end up signing up and uh, and doing this. But I, I'm still trying to avoid it at the moment because I'm studying for professional exams and I really ought to be focusing my time on that and not playing diplomacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah good, good call. Yeah. Last question I've got for, for Gary is that you've actually recently signed up to be one of our Patreons, so uh, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, I don't know, Gary, if you recall that as part of our... Um, our sub- uh, our offering basically at, at, at your um, level that you've decided to join uh, you've got the opportunity to uh, self-nominate for a um, a cabinet position when Kaner is elected president of the United States have you given much thought to uh, what role you wish to sit around the, the big table in Washington for I have given some thought to this actually I'm very glad you asked now I am a quarter Belgian my my grandmother, oh. um, my grandmother married my grandfather. She was Belgian, um, and he That's obviously single. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, he he single handedly liberated the country, of course, in 1945, as, as the the family uh, mythology goes. So I was actually going to propose that instead of a cabinet position, I could be the ambassador to Belgium, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Can- because they have all the best beer, they have all the best chocolate. Um, and despite the fact that every single war for the last 200 years seems to have washed across their land, they are still the most hospitable and friendly people I've ever met. Very so if you, if you don't mind me taking a slightly more junior role and, uh, and being ambassador to Belgium, I'll, I'll happily sit and uh, identify all the best beers and ship them back over to Kena um, for him to have at the, at the cabinet meetings. <laughs> I, I think that's your, the perfect role. As that, that's uh, that's right. a proposal you can't uh, refuse if he's offering to ship beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like to second that uh, that, uh, that that appointment. So uh, there we go. 
<laughs> done. <laughs> I, I've got one question for you guys, though, before yeah, we, sure. we cool this off. Um, I'm one of these people, I, I like to travel. Um, obviously, it costs a lot of money to, to travel far distance. But when I do tend to um, book trips abroad, I like to see if, if I can get involved in, in my hobbies when I'm abroad. So bearing in mind, I'd, I'd like at some point in my life to visit Australia and New Zealand, places like that. Um, what's what's it like the uh the diplomacy scene over there is it uh is it worth tying in if i was to come and visit australia with one of your uh diplomacy conventions over there oh the the conventions the um the competitions yeah, are very open you know you can if you're around at the time you can um just hook in with that side of things um yeah i mean they're, they're very friendly people they're you know Quite easy to get along with, and they're, 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 I'm sure be more than happy to accommodate uh, an, uh, an international visitor. I, I would tend to agree. I think you find that the tournaments are um, quite relaxed. That being said, some of the players are quite intense, <laughs> <laughs> as some diplomacy players are. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Within, say, for example, we, we, uh, uh, can please jump in? So we've been trying to get a, uh, a face-to-face scene going here in Brisbane in Queensland for uh, a little while now. We had about four games last year. We had a lot of difficulty uh, early in the year because of holidays and whatnot, being able to get things up and running, and then we started hitting the whole coronavirus thing. So we've actually put everything on ice for the moment. Uh, that being said, I think pretty much once all that get sorted will be right uh, one thing I've been actively trying to do is identify opportunities how to promote the game and get more people involved in the game so um, we've had some really good um, feedback from diplomacy clubs in Minnesota uh, and also in uh, Chicago around using meetup as a way of trying to attract uh, people who are interested in strategy games and diplomacy to come in long to a face-to-face game. Obviously, we're, we're holding off on any of that stuff until after coronavirus comes and goes. Uh, and likewise, some of the uh, the local universities, so local local colleges and so forth, who have uh, as part of their you know general um, clubs and gaming type of things, you know societies, they have you know some some board game clubs. So. I've been reaching out to them and they seem quite very uh, interested in actually having people involved. So we're quite keen to grow the game here in Brisbane. Um, as as we've found as uh, hosts of, uh, of a podcast, uh, it, uh, we've, we've got feedback a number of times to really grow the game anywhere around the world. It just actually requires concerted effort. Um, so the type of things I've just been talking about now Generally, you just need to apply that locally. And um, so to that end, whilst there's actually this really bizarre, awesome community, for example, in Melbourne, in in Australia, um, they don't really kind of get together with too many social games. They only really kind of come together for for tournaments, uh, whether that's in Melbourne or up the road in Canberra or so forth. Um, So, look, if the timing's right, Absolutely. I think you'll have a great time. Uh, I think you'll be very much welcomed um, and um, you'll enjoy stabbing people just as much as you get stabbed yourself. Awesome. Well, I look forward to doing that someday. (laughs) (laughs) 
Excellent stuff. Uh, Kana, do you have any more questions or we're going to wrap this up? Uh, no, no. It's been pretty comprehensive. Um, Gary, Gary, Andy, I've had a great time with this interview. Um, very enjoyable, very interesting, and um, I think some great learnings for tournament directors, uh, particularly over the next few months going into the whole crisis we're currently involved in. So uh, thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much for your dedication to the game. And thank you for having us. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. Take care, guys. Thank Take you. Thanks very much. Cheers. 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 So what have you got there? Still got the same beer? Still on the same. Why are you on a cider? Yeah. They said you're getting a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a beery cider? Well, oh, yeah, look, it's a cider. I was, yeah. It's anyway. okay. I'm not going to hold it against you. Alcohol's alcohol. So, um... Kana, what did you think of that interview? What did you what, what did you what did you take away from that? Well, I, I'm still I've just got in my head still like having a I don't know setting up like a you know going down to ro- going down to you know um, Radio Shack or whatever the equivalence is and getting some of those you know um, inter- internet connected robots that you can build. <laughs> yeah. And installing like little speakers on them, yeah, and rem- so you can control it from a mobile phone, and a little camera projector, and painting each one a different color, like one yellow, one black, one white, one deep blue, one light blue. You get it, one red, yeah, yeah, and then putting him in like a little arena, and then having a diplomacy game. You could do it on Discord, where but have everyone communicate and actually move around and talk to each other as they like they they're controlling the robot. That's them, and they're moving around, having those conversations. I can't get this idea out of my head. I think that'd be really fun. Uh, look, I, I I kind of get the concept. I just can't work out how it's going to work practically. Well, practically, you could. You could run a diplomacy game every weekend from this from your lounge room, and everyone call like everyone dials into their robot and has conversations in real time. So the with robots, robots are talking to robots. Yeah, but you, 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 Ambie, call up, and you're controlling Austria robot. Yep. And I call up, and I'm controlling Turkey robot. Yep. Right, and I'm controlling the camera and I'm moving the robot back and forth and we're having the conversation and I see that, you know, Russia robot is talking to England robot. (laughs) Okay, now this is actually starting to make sense bizarrely. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and I can can see that they're having a conversation but I can't hear it because I'm talking to Austria robot, you. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah? Yep, yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense so far, yeah. I was actually surprised all of a sudden it started making sense when it made no sense earlier on but keep going. Well, this is the this is the idea, you know. I mean, you know, just just going along the lines of like actually having someone call in and being that sort of telecommuting to a to a to a to a conference. Yep. To, to play diplomacy, you know, and it just well, why not take that to the next logical step? Like, why not have little one like avatars that you can sort of 
real, does. Like, yeah, real robots that you can call into and be able to control from the safety of your own lounge room, but you've got this robot that can follow people around, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, on a board game. Anyway. No, actually, I, I think bizarrely you, you make a lot of sense for once, so um, I really like it. And even further, you could take um, Old Mate's idea of having a you know a game of chaos and have twenty four robots. Which, which, which old mate? Um, down yeah, in uh, who? Yeah, yeah. Uh, old mate. Melbourne idea chaos. You could have a chaos map and have <laughs> we would twenty four robots. Remember, you can have twenty four robots Was on it? the map of diplomacy. Okay. And they're all standing in their own country, and they can only talk to the robots next to them until they conquer. Tim. Tim. I don't know. I'm just putting random names out there. Tim. We've been Tim. We've we've spoken about this idea a couple of times, where you have, you know, like a a big giant map. It was the the idea of the whole, you know, basically the same thing as as what I think Nathan Barnes suggested, which is like you have a whole. Basketball court with people, and you can only yeah, it was Nathan. shout over yeah. somewhere. Nathan, Nathan. Yeah. So Nathan Barnes. <laughs> yeah, Nathan yeah, Barnes who lives in Seattle. We, we're just channeling you for a discussion about Melbourne. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, sorry, but <laughs> you could do it. You, you could get, you could get oh, like absolutely. a map. I totally agree. Yeah, but with robots instead, you could have twenty-four players dial in. You've got twenty-four robots. Each robot is starts on its territory. Whether you're being serious or not. Yeah, keep going. Each each robot starts on its territory, and it can only talk to the robots in adjacent territories. Yeah, put your video in so I know if you're talking shit or not. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. At least we don't have to worry about ringing anyone else in. So we we're only there. We go. Hello, Kana. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> no, but I reckon it'll be good. I reckon. I reckon. That you, you could have a map of, yeah, you know those those little wee bots. You get them at you get them at like National Geographic. Yeah, or, I've seen them. Yeah, and you, and you can give them like little emoji smiles and oh yeah, you know, like a happy face or an unhappy face, and you could communicate emotion like that. Is is stepping up the next level in diplomacy? Um, like that whole mashup idea between face to face and online. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then even going further, you could have AIs playing against each other Ooh. using robots. Yeah, but they're not going to send each other, are they? Well, using the web dip bots, they do. But they don't talk to each other. No. You just have a random emoji cyclings around on them. Hmm. You know, like... You, I was just anyway. looking at the background. You've got a lot of games on your shelves. I do, Yeah. A lot of comics, too. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, ring of fire. There you go. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, no, I do have a lot of games up there. And yet you keep coming back to diplomacy over and over and over again. Well. You schmuck or it, what? <laughs> it, it's, it's the first game that really... Um, I know. It, it got me into gaming, I think. Like, it's the origin gaming. story. It's the origins. What's the what's my origin story? No, you've already talked about it before. You talked about it when you were drunk last episode. Mm. My brother and I used to play Risk. It just doesn't add up. It's just not the same. It's just not no. as good. No. no. 
Anyway, what did you get out of the interview, Ambie? Um, a lot more than I expected, to be perfectly honest. I kind of thought we'd just spend a bit of time talking about the tournament and about the whole concept for playing remotely. Yep. Uh, but there was a lot more there that we teased out that I really didn't expect at all, and particularly, I think, with where the game may be going in the future. So whether that's just locally within you know the UK or more broadly with how we're dealing with the coronavirus and tournaments, you know, face-to-face tournaments and everything like that. Um, yep. And on top of that, of course, we spent probably way too much time talking about alcohol. We did. But, you know, we're their antipodes. And we, as, as you're saying, I mean, we... we, we we're probably more culturally similar than we are to America in that sense, yep. I think. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, I, that story about, like, like at, at the moment, I think, I feel with the whole coronavirus thing, I think we're, we're just at the beginning of a quite an potentially horrific journey, actually. In, in what's happening in the world around us um, and gathering stories and information about what's happening in other parts of the world is quite, to me, quite interesting. That it, it, it's, it's outside of the mainstream media, you know, just hearing stories of what's happening in different parts of the world. Like in Australia, we wouldn't hear what's happening in the Jersey Islands. No. No, we just wouldn't. I, I was just so surprised with such a, a small place with how little people, how... They've got what? Okay, it's about about a sixth of Australia, but like Australia's got like twenty-seven, twenty-eight million. But what do they say? They have like two hundred thousand or something. Yeah, there's a whole heap, a handful of people, yeah. a bit more than it's. So proportionately, it's just like so much more. Um, oh. And look, to be honest, I actually kind of feel a little bit guilty that, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were catching up down in Melbourne and just, like, taking the piss about coronavirus and everything, I wasn't taking it fucking seriously at all. I don't know about you. And well, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, fuck, this actually, this is really bad. This has the potential to kind of, you know, and I've had discussions with Mrs. Amber, you know, both of our parents are still alive. Both of our parents are well and truly into their 70s. Um, some at the high end of that. And statistically, if you kind of work out the math, one of them won't be around. And that's that's really sad because, like, we can't even just, like, at the moment, I wouldn't want to put them at risk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I get that. Yep. Yep. I think... Look, when we were at, when we were at PoppyCon, I, I really noticed that there was a big cultural difference in how seriously things were being taken already at that point in time in Melbourne. Yeah, I think so. As opposed right. to how they were being, it was being approached in Brisbane. And I think we got and it shit together. I think at that now. point it kind of rammed home that hey, actually this is quite serious. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And it was, it, it was good, you know, and come back and it's like still people are still a little bit blase around it. And it's like, oh, you know, guys, like. I think at that point I really was practicing socially distancing myself at work prior to it becoming a thing. Yep. Yep. I mean, I was thinking even to the extent that honestly, if if PoppyCon was like a week later, I I don't think it would have happened. 
Well, I don't think I would have gone down if it was a week late myself. Yeah. Just just our awareness of what the impact is. So, look, uh, again, 90% of our listeners are within the US. Which is, yeah, that's horrific what's happening oh, there. But yeah. there are more than America people in the number of being impacted now. And it doesn't matter where in the world you are. This, this is going to touch your country, touch your society. Um, this is... This is serious, you know what I mean? This is, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you and I in the past have talked about variants in diplomacy around, you know, various plagues and things like that. And that's all in, you know, fun and games, but this is real life stuff. So, um, I mean, I just want to say to to our listeners that, uh, look, we're thinking of them. We hope that they're well. We hope their families are well, their friends are well, uh, both from a health point of view. Uh, and even from a an employment point of view and, and, and their business perspective because this is devastating, uh, you know, the economy across the globe um, and that in itself has a lot of financial impacts on top of some of the, um, the you know, the mental health stresses. So um, uh, we're not professionals in that space. We're not even professionals in the diplomacy space. <laughs> But you know we have but a great our, our deal hearts, of empathy, um, and yeah. and you know we're thinking of you guys, and we're thinking of our listeners, and um, look, we really, really want you guys to pull through, and, and hope you do. Mm. Absolutely, second everything Amby just said. Shall we wrap it up? Yes, let's do that. On uh, that sober note. Yes. Oh fuck, that's a bit bit sad. Can we end with something fun? No. Can you think of anything um, fun? All right. Um, I'm getting my ass kicked in that EU4 game. Oh, really? In that game. Um, Let me just try to bring it up for a second so I can see it. Well, not getting my ass kicked. Things are going slow right now. Which one is it? EU4? EU4. Ooh, I can't find it quickly and easily. Uh, if I go, if I search against you, will I find it? Yep, you'll be able to find me in that. I don't think you're in it, so you'll be able to no, see. No, I'm not in it. Uh, yeah. Oh, look at that. When I pick usernames, you're number one. How about that? You must be on my um, Christmas card list or something. I've noticed that the internet's going slower too. Oh, Have you shit, noticed that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Everyone's bloody working from home and, you know, watching Netflix and just... Okay, so I'm not really getting my ass kicked, but you can see just by looking at it that things haven't quite gone the way I really wanted them in the last few seasons. Um, for it, found the game. View. Can I, can I send, so we're working this out, guys, as we go. Can I send you a message with the link on it perhaps I've already, I've already brought it up I brought the game up oh yes okay so I know the one that you are so um, what was your concerns I think you're doing pretty good this looks good what's wrong with it uh, okay there's 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 a there's a there's a janissary I don't know what you call it there's a there's a, a dude behind enemy lines I can see the rogue unit <laughs> um 
And that's a situation I really was hoping keep mopping for. up constantly. Yeah, I'm just going to have to chase them down with my other units. And it's going to take two units out of the front line, essentially, to do that, which is a it pain in the more. ass. Because honestly, uh, the way he's going, he's just going to keep moving, 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 moving until you can just like boxing him into a corner. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to transform one of these guys I can't, on the coast. I can't see what you're doing on your <laughs> oh, screen. I can yeah, see yeah, your yeah. face, but I can't see what you're doing on your screen. Um, I can't. Can wait, I? Sec, wait a sec. If you click on this share screen thing, maybe? How do you do that? Where's I know, that? I click share screen, but it doesn't work. Wait a sec. Clear. Um, I'm clicking on a oh, fuck. Start sharing, and then I'm going to click on down here. So can you see my screen now? Can you see Kelly, me? Can you see my screen? Can you see my? Oh wait a sec. I can see a screen. Could you see my screen? Can you see my screen? <sighs> but it's kind of shrunk because I was on looking at my screen. Um, I can see me as really small version. Fuck, where is it? my map. Oh, whoa, whoa, I can see it now. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah. good. I can see it now. Okay. So. Where's your cursor? This guy yeah, down good. here. Much better. I'm going to be transforming him to try and box in this mongrel that's behind yeah, my yeah. enemy lines. At the same time, I've got this running sea battle going on over on this um, other part of my flank. Yep. Um, which... I, I think I'm losing, to be perfectly honest, especially this particular guy here. Which one? See this one here? No, you... Oh, fuck, where's it? My cur- oh. Where's your cursor? Can you not see it? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah just barely. Yeah, I can find it now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hang on, maybe I can zoom in a little. No, I know where you're go. looking at now. It just took me a while to find it. Oh, this is trippy. Okay, yep. You're telling me can, you, you haven't been drinking since 5 o'clock this morning. I mean, not this morning, this afternoon. He, he, he can move to there, to there, to there, to there, to there, to there. And that's another one behind my lines, yeah? Yeah. So I'm hey, on the verge I, of collapse. Can I digress for a second? Yeah. I was just so fucking hammered after that bloody poppycon. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> how long did it take you to re-drink? Hang on, I'm just going to, you know, drop that back. And Sunday, Sunday when I wasn't playing, Ooh. I just like, I, honestly, I just couldn't touch alcohol that day or the next day or the day after. I was just, and it took me like about two or three days for me to actually feel slightly healthy again. That's not like you. <laughs> but then I don't like constantly drink non-stop for the whole weekend. <laughs> I mean, every so often, sure, but you're not every fucking hour of every fucking day. Oh, well. <laughs> As opposed to when when I kept complaining when I was cold and you going, weak, fucking Queensland weak. <laughs> Oh, I've got to listen to this. I have to listen to this. <laughs> I, 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 I was I was pretty pissed in that episode. <laughs> you were because he kept misordering in the game beforehand because he was so clattered. Yeah, 
Yeah. You, like you were smashing the cider at that point, like the way I was earlier in the the day or the mm. day before or whatever. Mm. I think there's a, le- a lesson for both of us there. <laughs> if you want to do well in a tournament, don't hit the alcohol so hard. Had <laughs> a great time though. Space <laughs> <laughs> yourself a bit better. So, look, the way you're going at the moment in that tournament, yes, I agree. Look, I think actually you, you're continuing to do well. In fact, actually, you continue to grow nicely. Um, this is always going to be the, the problem, I think, with boards of this size, whether we're talking divided states, whether we're talking Europa Renovatio. It's a little bit easier to sneak in through the, uh, the back lines and to get behind the supply lines. Mm. Once you've done that, you can just keep, moving around creating havoc um i've had to deal with that previously i've made other players deal with that on a number of occasions um you're just gonna have to suck it up and work out how you're gonna eventually squeeze him out so that he has to have a forced disband because mm-hmm. i've had to do that before in one of my europa games similarly where a player got way behind my my lines and i had to literally pull six or seven units down so he had no option but to force disband. And it sucks, but it's the only way to deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to be dealing with this problem. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be like that uh, that game where you know, where Scotland was winning and then just end up now being dead. Hmm. What would Johnny Cash do? Johnny Cash would squash it. Squash him like an ant. He would. He would. All right. <laughs> how you going? How are you going with your games, Ambi? What What are you up to? Uh, well, we, I'm not in too many games at the moment at VDIP. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, I see. Uh, let me just quickly bring that up so I can understand what I'm currently doing. Um, in my games, I'm in two games at present. Mm-hmm. Two games. Uh, so I'm still in my Cry God for Harry game, and that's. Uh, without giving too much away, I think that's slowly heading towards a draw. Yeah. And my fake news leak interference demacopolopolopsis. Um, that's been a more interesting game. Um, a lot of backstabbery in that one, definitely. A yep. lot of uh, lack of clarity around who's on my side, who's not on my side. And I think that actually lends itself to that that particular uh, style of format because that's obviously been organised by G-Man for that particular group of players who are able to kind of get in and just, like, slash each other as opposed to a Care Bear type of, you know, organisational tournament or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I'm still in that. I wouldn't say I'm growing. I wouldn't say I'm shrinking. So um, it's okay. Um, over on Playdip um, for the 18-12 Overture game, I'm now officially dead. Oh, gone. And yeah, gone. Yep. England and Canada are now gone. So that particular game is... Um, uh, my former allies who decided to stab me in the back when I wasn't watching... Boo. Uh, off the was, yeah, that took me off the yep. board. Yeah, I couldn't blame him. So uh, that was uh, New Spain and Russia, which is one player, 
and Austria and the Shoshani uh, Indian tribes. So um, between them and also France, you know, not really kind of helping me out too much. Yeah, I'm dead. So, um, but I have recently commenced as a result of that game kind of pretty much wrapping up in, involved in the Order of the Dragons game, uh, which is again another um, uh, Discord game organised via Playdip. I've uh, they're using the Paris method, which uh, because of the uh, the shit going on at work with coronavirus, I didn't give a lot of attention to. But I said basically, it's like I don't know, I don't know how they kind of do this. It's like this random allocation. It's not a random allocation. It's like certain people get to choose. You know, do you want to choose before this person or after this person or whatever like that? And then after you've gone through that bullshit, then you actually choose who you want. So. Um, Oh, oh, fuck, I can't remember. I think it's non-anonymous. I've seen find out if I have to go back and edit this. <laughs> but but I'm playing the Golden Horde. The Golden Horde? Yeah, so I've tried to aim for the top right corner, northeast corner. Okay, I'm looking at it now. Oh, really? How did you do that? Not, not your game, but I'm looking at the map. Oh, have you got an order of the dragon map up? Yeah, no pun intended. Posted a link on the oh, forum. Oh, play dip. Yeah, or somewhere else. Um, so the golden horde. So this is so this is a map of Europe. Started in fourteen oh five. Game start. Yep. And you've got Burgundy, Castile, England, the Golden Horde, Hungary, Kalmar Union, Lithuania, Mamluks, Naples, Ottomans. Oh, and you've got some neutrals, the thralls, and yeah. vassals. So, so the vassal the state's similar to the, the the great power, smaller power ones, and like in other ones, like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so because because this week has been pretty full on work wise. Um, I haven't really paid attention. And this is one of these games where, like, the rules are, like, 40 pages in a PDF document, mm-hmm. uh, which goes into the level of detail about what's a thrall, what's a vassal. And apparently I, was, I, I kind of asked, no pun intended, some of this stuff, and he said, oh, yeah, and don't forget, we've now included the married rules. I went, what's the married rules? So... <laughs> okay. So um, I actually need to spend a little bit of time this weekend properly reviewing the rules. The way that I best understand it, if I can say that, it's similar to disillusion um, where you've actually got diplomacy points to allocate towards other non-playing players. And some players, and basically my understanding is like the thralls are more closely aligned to you so let's say, for example, okay, well, great example. I'm, I'm, I'm Golden Horde. So the player of, oh, fuck, I can't remember what it is. I saw my head. Kira or something, which is kind of like where you consider modern-day Ukraine to be. It's a one-player supply center, a non-player supply center. I can allocate my diplomacy votes towards what it does. Much the oh, same yeah. way as within, um, thinking the same thing with Israel or whatever like that. 
The difference being, because it is my nominal thrall, I have double points to allocate. So if I allocate points towards that, it counts as double as opposed to another player. And vice versa, if I started putting diplomacy points on another player's thrall, they can just put a double points on top of that. That's my very, very basic understanding, but I'm just really, really learning as I go. Okay. Well, it's definitely an interesting-looking map. It's a good range of powers. It leaves, from what I can see, like it's leaving neutrals spotted around. Are there any neutrals there on the map that don't start with an army or a fleet on them? Fuck, I have to check. So I'm looking at it. Yeah. Map, 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 map. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't actually see any neutrals. So all the neutrals start with an army or a unit on them. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice map, though. Once you start kind of, you know, magnifying it, it's very pretty. Interested to see how this one plays out. I'm not sure when they say Order the Dragon, what that's got to do with it, whether there's any dragon rules or something. Hmm. What, like like a mythical creature dragon? Yeah, well, why call it that if it's got no mythical thing apart from just maybe, you know, attracting people to the game? Have you been keeping an eye out on some of the variants that are being developed at VDIP? recent appearance? Uh, I have kind of popped her over a little bit, but not a great deal. All right, I'm just going to share my screen with you. Can you see my screen? I can see you. Can you? See you. Your games and your comics in the background. Oh, yeah. I can see me and how do I make this bigger? Oh, I double click on it, it works. Okay, yeah, so you, see, I can't see that whole lab thing or whatever the um, the dev area is. So this one's one I'm looking forward to. Ooh, what the hell is that? Pits of Horror. Pits of Horror? That's yeah, nice. It's got, it's got red rivers. Obviously, this is like a <laughs> hell thing. It's got melting lake and... Oh, you know, I love it. Rift, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think this one could be quite fun. It's quite a large one too. So, is there any special rules or just stand bog standard? Honestly, mate, I don't know. I'm just looking at the maps. Um, the maps are pretty. Maps pretty in a bizarre way. This one is a new one. I'm watching this one as it's developing. This one's uh, Scottish Clan Wars. <gasps> Ooh, nice. Yeah. So that's how that sits. I think that one could be quite a lovely map as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, as someone with Scottish ancestry, clanish ancestry, I think that's very intriguing. Except my clan's not represented, but it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, neither's mine. But and then there's this one here as well. T 
Tiglath. Okay, I've heard talk about this, but I haven't been able to see it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I have seen this one. So this is like a, um, like a biblical um, map, isn't it? It's basically like that whole... Um, fertile Crescent. And Egypt and Fertile Crescent and around Yem- the Yemen and Anatolia. Um because I remember having conversations around this in the um, the Dev forum, saying, "Where's Israel?" Yeah, in the sense of, I would have thought maybe a Hebrew presence, but um, I think it's it's just represented by a neutral supply centre. Yeah, prior to um, to that, um, but I like that one. That's that's yeah. actually all of these are really quite intriguing. You're trying to get me back to playing games at VDIP again, aren't you, Kana? Well, these games aren't yet. I know they're not developed, there yet, but you're but trying to get me intrigued. Intrigued enough to want to jump in and ruin my rating. Oh, go on, mate. You know, <laughs> it's going to go down anyway. You know, um, well, eventually. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to point those ones out to you. So there's th- three new ones which have just popped up. It's a horror, Scottish clan wars, and so, Tiglath Pileser, which is so. Uh, putting in the context for listeners um, on VDIP, these aren't live uh, variants yet; they're variants in development. They're probably not too far away. Yeah, they're being developed as we speak. Yeah, I must have. I must admit, I'm waiting for things to calm down just a little bit around the whole coronavirus thing, so they actually do have some time to do a little bit of development. I'd love to do some development. Yeah, I'm, you know, I know I keep on saying this each time I come up to a holidays, but, you know, I'd lo- I want to jump in and sink my teeth into a couple of variants myself. I do. But I, I, I know I keep on saying it, so don't hold your breath on that. I think there's some really interesting variants being developed by um, members of the community that I'm not... That, that things are moving in that space and I don't feel like I have to sort of contribute to see new variants being made so that's um it's a really positive thing to see variants coming out from well new players and some you know some also some quite prolific variant creators as well totally agree so um i reckon we should probably wrap this up kana done all right cheers cheers i'm kana i'm ambi and um Talk soon. All right. Ciao. Bye-bye.